Lord. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness and grace. As we sit for a few minutes to listen from his word, let us turn our eyes to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 9 to 16. Acts chapter 7, verse 9 to 16. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father, Jacob, and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. Can we also turn to the book of Genesis? The book of Genesis, chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1 to 14. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren and flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide you for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourself, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. 
Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Can we bow down our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this sweet and lovely morning, Lord, that was given unto us to come before your presence. Once again, as your people, Lord, to ponder who you are and all that you have done for us, Lord, and our souls, Lord. We are thankful, Lord, that you have enabled us once again before your presence, Lord, to realize how abundant, Lord, your mercy was to us and how great, Lord, your love, Lord, was to us, Lord. We are thankful, Lord, that one more day we can acknowledge before your presence, Lord, that the moment we received you in our lives, Lord, we received everything. We are thankful, Lord, that you enabled us to come here into your presence as your people, that you remember each one of us by name, O Lord. We are thankful that you have enabled us to abide in thee and enabled us to walk with you. And we are thankful that you have given us so much, O Lord, to hope for in our lives, O Lord. Lord, as we are seated before your presence for a few minutes to listen from thy word, we pray that you might give us the grace from above, O Lord, that we might receive thy word and that we might rejoice in your word, O Lord. We pray, O Lord, that your word might be quick and powerful, O Lord, in our hearts, O Lord. We pray that as we listen from your word reverently, that it might strengthen us, O Lord, that it might restore us, that it might give us inspiration, O Lord. Lord, at this moment, we uphold George and Uncle, O Lord, who is dividing and ministering from your word. We pray that you might give him, O Lord, great inspiration from your spirit from above, that he might share, O Lord, what you have kept in his heart with us, and that your spirit, O Lord, might counsel us and give us all necessary grace, O Lord, and that your truth may move us, O Lord. Lord, when we are before your presence, we pray that we might be able to abide your word in our hearts, that our week might be filled, O Lord, with the gift of your grace and your glory. We once again give thee all praise, all glory, and all honor, and ask all these things in and through the most matchless name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jubin. Good morning, everybody. All right, it's good to be back and uh, ministering from the Word today. And I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who inquired about me this last week because I wasn't here last week, last Sunday, and I didn't realize so many people um, you know, would uh, reach out to me starting with Brother John Verghese. Say, this is, my, uh, this is my mission now. Every time I get up here speak, i got to mention you. You're not here either, but you still checked on me. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I couldn't be here last week, and uh, you know, I, didn't, I know I didn't give anybody a straight answer on why. Uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a mystery, but I can assure you that my fellow elder knows exactly why I was not here, uh, because we are accountable to each other. So I encourage all of you to be accountable. Uh, you know, for when you're here, when you're not here, uh, you know, whatever is going on in your life. So, um, you know, I wanted to maybe say one more thing uh, before I get into the message. Um, you know, many of you are new and I have to remind myself of that. So I, I know that you, got, you all know that I have nine kids, but I realize that there are some that you've probably never even met. Um, so I do have a son called Timothy. Uh, anybody here not met Timothy? Probably quite a good number because there you go. So, uh, uh, so Timothy is my second-born uh, oldest son, and he's, uh, he's not been here in about 18 months. Uh, you know, he came a couple of years ago, and then he finished, graduated, got a job, so he's been busy. So uh, I'm happy to let you know that Timothy is going to get married next year in May, 
and uh, and we are very happy about it and timothy um, you know met this 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 uh, young girl that was studying in the same college and uh, i've had a chance to meet her and meet her family and uh, we are very happy about it uh, from a very godly family uh, her father is a pastor of a church in uh, new jersey and so uh, you know we are moving into a new season of life so do keep that uh, in prayer uh, i think i've shared that with some of you but happy to share that with the church as a whole and we are very very happy with the 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 way that timothy has approached this and made uh, made decisions which we believe are uh, are in line with the will of the lord for his for his life so with that we're going to uh, look into the life of joseph today so i thought i'd uh, take it a little easier uh, you know something not so um you know not so uh, uh, tough i suppose uh, you know no big uh, doctrines and no big uh, theology but but little more practical and uh, you know of course the theology uh, pra- practical applications are nothing more than uh, than you know putting theology into practice so you will get a little bit of that but uh, the story of joseph is something that we are all very familiar with and you know joseph is a very unique uh, a unique character in the old testament and before i get into that uh, you know i just want to encourage all of you to uh, especially you young people to really you know make an effort uh, an earnest effort to study the old testament okay uh, the lord the god has given us the the word of god it's not just the gospels and it's not just the new testament but it's the entire counsel of god and if you are uh not familiar with the old testament because you are not reading it then uh it means that you're missing out on a tremendous amount of uh of the word of god right and the blessing that it can be um and um you know the the old testament i believe is 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 where you need to go if you really want to understand god okay you really want to understand the nature of god you want to understand the sovereignty of god you want to understand the mercy of god you want to understand the love of god the wrath of god all of these things and um, i really encourage you to do that and it it always distresses me when i talk to young people and ask them have you read the bible and or or have you read the bible from end to end cover to cover and and almost 80% of them say no and most of them have read only the gospels or only the the uh, the new testament so i encourage you to go there and as you'll see today you uh, you know you that there are so many very important life lessons that we can draw from uh, from these uh, incidents from the characters from the way that god deals with israel in the old testament um and uh, you know i i really encourage you to spend some time there and some of it i realize you know it might uh, be a little tough to to understand but but i believe that as you in all earnestness uh, delve into uh, this portions of these portions of scripture that the lord the holy spirit himself will open uh, open the word to you so let's come back to joseph so joseph is as i said uh, you know he's one of the uh, i i guess you could think of him as one of the patriarchs but perhaps we think of patriarchs as abraham isaac and jacob and then joseph is sort of the next generation uh, but um, you know he's the one uh of whom we see sort of an end to end story in scripture right and there are very few uh, of whom we see that in those early chapters of genesis uh you know certainly we see that of abraham from the time of his call till the time of his death we see that of jacob from the time of his birth till uh you know late into his life and his death and then joseph is the other one 
and then of the other ones you know the other um, you know 12 or 11 sons uh, of um, of Jacob or Israel uh, you know we see little snippets right they sort of pop in for some particular episode and then sort of go away and then somebody else will pop up over there some other episode and then they go away um, you know but but for Joseph it is given us a whole history of Joseph from you know from about the age of uh, so the first time we meet Joseph is in chapter 37 uh, of uh, of Genesis and we can turn there uh, but we see him we meet him first of all as a 17 year old you know teenage young man in sort of his late teen years uh, and then um, you know we see an epi- uh, a portion of his life from about the age of 17 to the age of 30 um when um uh, when he uh, goes into um uh, when he's made the ruler of Egypt and then um, the age of 30 to 39 when he is the ruler of Egypt and his entire family comes to join him there and then from there you know from the age of 39 we see little episodes uh, of his life till about 110 which is when Joseph died so from the age of about 17 to 110 uh, we see the life of Joseph sort of laid out in quite a bit of detail now uh, when we study these books uh, the first five books of the bible it's important to understand a little bit of context of what's going on here so uh, i hope most of you are aware or if you're not you will be now that that these five books were written by by who moses yes okay and if you didn't know that you know that now it was written by moses and it was written uh you know quite a long number of years after the actual incidents occurred uh, obviously creation and all of these kind of things they occurred you know maybe a few thousand years in the past from when moses was writing and moses was writing this um, you know after the exodus when the children of israel left uh, egypt and uh, they were about to enter the promised land as we know uh, or if you study uh, Uh, the uh, these five books of the bible you know that moses sort of got to the the um, you know the uh, the border of the promised land and for various reasons god didn't allow him to enter into it uh, but god used him to give the law and now here you have the children of israel you know a massive uh, group of people maybe a couple of million people getting ready to enter into the promised land and they have just coming out of 400 years of captivity in egypt now if you do the math you know 400 years is something like 10 or 11 generations okay uh, so from the time that you know jacob and his sons and their children and said they were grandchildren they went to egypt you know to the time that the exodus happens it's been about 400 years and there's been some 10 11 maybe even more generations so pretty much everybody there who left egypt um the only thing they knew was egypt right the only thing they knew in their lifetime and the lifetime of their fathers and grandfathers and great grandparents was really them being slaves in egypt okay and so they do not know all of this history uh, and now they're returning back to the promised land in this big uh, caravan so to speak and and so the reason why moses has put the these five books of the bible uh, the first five books down is because uh, he wants to give them an understanding of who they are of their origins of where they came from of why they're going back into Canaan uh and uh, uh and then you know that becomes the sort of foundation for 
their relationship with God and the law and why it's important that they should be separate even as they're going into this, um, uh, this environment with a lot of heathen people that are not like them, why they shouldn't mix with them, you know, why the, uh, they need to, to, to understand the why of that. They are to know how God had called them out. God had called Abraham out of uh, Ur of the Chaldees and separated him and made this promise and they were the children of the promise and they had to understand all of these and that's why uh, the reason why I think the story of Joseph is given to us in, in so much detail here is because Joseph was a critical character in that whole, in the, in the reason why the children of Israel were actually in Egypt, right? So these, uh, these, uh, these, these children of Israel, as they're going back, all they've known is Egypt, okay? And this was sort of the history of how they ended up coming, you know, Moses trying to explain to them that, no, we were not originally in Egypt, but you go back, 400 years ago, we were in the land of Canaan because that was the promised land that God had given to our fathers, our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and then here's how we ended up in Egypt and here's how we became slaves, right? So that's why I believe he presents the story of, uh, of uh, Joseph in some detail so that the children of Israel could get that understanding of him. So, um, you know, as I said, the main part of Joseph's story that's presented to us here is between that uh, the the years of 17 and uh, and 39. So there's a lot of lessons that we can learn and apply from the life of Joseph. You know how his understanding of God and his relationship with God changed over time. I think that's the thing that uh, you know I've been going through the book of Genesis in my own personal study in my quiet time recently, and and as I went back through it again. Um, you know, uh, several of these lessons kept popping up and I thought it would be good to share because I think there's a lot of good lessons here for us to learn, especially this group where we have all these young people, we have young families, you know, people who are in the workplace. Uh, there's just a tremendous set of, uh, um, you know, lessons that we can learn. So, uh, you know, uh, as we look at this, I'm not going to go through the entire life of Joseph. I'm just going to pick sort of four episodes uh, that uh, that sort of are the highlight of, of Joseph's life and we'll just look at each of them. Uh, most, of them most of you all, I, I assume you know the story uh, so I'm not going to dwell too much of the details of the story other than, than where, uh, where I need to uh, but, uh, but we'll focus a little more time of our time on the applications uh, that we can make to our own lives and to each of your lives and I trust that the Lord will use that uh, to to help each of you as you as you strive to uh, grow in your relationship with uh, with God. So first of all, we're going to look at the the early uh, or the teen years of Joseph. Uh, you know, from the time where we meet him first to where he goes to Egypt, and uh, and here we see some glimpses of of the character of Joseph. We see some glimpses of the character of Joseph and his calling. So, you know, if you go to chapter 37, and we read uh, verse uh, 1 of chapter 37, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. And immediately it goes into Joseph. It says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was the lad, uh, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was, was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he, and he made him a tunic of many colors. 
But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now those are just four verses, uh, you know, in that chapter, but they're sort of packed with a lot of data, a lot of information uh, about this family. And what we can sort of figure out, the first thing that sort of jumps out is that Joseph came from what was probably what we, today we would call a very dysfunctional family. Right, John? It was, it was very dysfunctional. I mean, you know, if you think you have enough trouble with two kids or three kids, you know, here you have 12 children, okay? I've got nine, um, you know, so I know what that can be like, but, but Israel or Jacob had more. He had 12 children, and, and okay, that's fine. 12 children is fine, but, but what made it even more dysfunctional was that these 12 children came from four different mothers, Okay, so each of them had four mothers. So you can imagine there were these four groups of children, you know, different numbers in each group. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really a situation that was conducive to family harmony. And uh, then it didn't help that, that, that here we have Jacob. You know, it says that Joseph was his, he loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Okay, um, you know, and I can understand how that goes uh, you know, it's, it's very tough sometimes, but, but this is very clear. Jo- Jacob loved Joseph more than everybody else, all his other, all his other 11 uh, sons. Uh, and he had one daughter who, uh, who we read about. There's another incident. We won't go to that one. But, but out of his 13 children, Joseph loved, uh, sorry, Jacob loved Joseph more than any others. And of course, this is again not a big surprise if you go and study the history uh, of Jacob because, uh, you know, Jacob was a twin along with his brother Esau. And uh, he sort of learned this lesson from his parents, okay? Uh, so his parents were Isaac and Rebekah. And uh, we read, uh, we go back a few chapters, uh, you know, we see there that Isaac uh, loved Jacob and, sorry, Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob and they played them against each other and there was all kinds of stuff going on in that family. Uh, and, and so, you know, Jacob sort of aggravated things by showing favoritism, by giving the son of his Joseph, a coat of many colors, and he was just following the example, perhaps, that he had sort of learned from his own parents, which were not a, was not a healthy example. But then, um, you know, what is interesting is that Joseph clearly aggravated the situation, right? So what, how did he aggravate the situation? First of all, he aggravated it by, you know, he was out there with his brothers, taking care of the sheep, uh, and he says that Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. What do you call those? Uh, what do you call a brother or sister like that, guys? Huh? Tattletale. Thank you. Do you, do you guys have a tattletale in your family? Yeah. Danny, you do? Shaking his head very vigorously. Okay. Okay. So this is a common thing that happens, but, but Joseph was pretty good at that. Okay. He was good at being the, the, being the favorite son. He took advantage of that. He would come and he would talk about his brothers, you know, behind their back and give all kinds of bad reports about them. Uh, and so on. So, and then, and then it gets even worse because we see later on, and you all know this. Uh, you know, you have the dream, the dreams that uh, that uh, Joseph has, uh, where you know he says. Um, uh, so let's just read one of them, verse uh, verse five. Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, "Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Uh, there we were binding sheaves in the field." Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, 
and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Okay, so this was not good and as if this was not bad enough, okay, so what he was implying was that all of them were going to someday bow down to him and then he dreamed another dream and he told it and he says that, um, you know, look, I have dreamed another dream, verse 9, and this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bow down to me and, uh, you know, Jacob too got wind of this. He was basically saying his father, his mother, all his brothers are going to bow down to him and it says in verse 10, he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers envied him. They were jealous of him. They hated him. You know, if they hated him before, they hated him more now because of what he was, he was saying. But his father, it says, he kept the matter in his mind. So what is it that we learn from Joseph, about, or from the life of Joseph or from this early portrait that we had uh, that, that we have of Joseph. And when we, we sort of put this along with what happened with him later on, we can see that Joseph was a bit of a bold character, right? Joseph was blessed with a little bit of boldness and some leadership abilities. Uh, you know, he was willing to openly bring things up uh, that he knew would upset his brothers. You know, he wasn't too worried what anybody else thought. If it, you know, if it was there to be said, he would say it. And, uh, and we know that God, with these dreams, as, um, you know, as uh, problematic as they were in his relationship with his brothers, God was, uh, was revealing certain things about the future. Because we know, with hindsight, you know, that all of these things came true. That his brothers, his father, everybody came and bowed down to him later on, much later on, many years later uh, when he was in Egypt and he was a ruler of Egypt and they came there for food. Uh, but God had set him apart uh, for a special purpose, and it was part of his plan for the uh, for the nation of Israel, you know. But Joseph also had these certain negative character qualities that 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 needed to be molded. What are some of those things we see in the life of Joseph? Uh, uh, character quality of a lack of humility. Uh, we see a certain level of arrogance. Uh, we see that he wasn't adept at dealing with others uh, with a, in a difficult. Uh, situation, you know, dealing with dealing with others with with a certain level of tact. Uh, when you have to talk about these things that you know are, are going to upset him, but we also see that 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 uh, Joseph was a very faithful and a trustworthy worker. So if you go to verse twelve, you know it, it, it says there that uh, his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Israel. That is, Jacob said to Joseph, "Are not your brethren feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them." So he said to him, here I am. And then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with uh, the flocks. And bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. So, so here's uh, Joseph dutifully following the, uh, the wishes of his father to go and find uh, his brothers and provide them with um, you know, refreshments and so on and see how they're doing. Uh, and then he goes to Shechem uh, you know, uh, to, to look for them and a certain man found him and, he there, and there he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying, what, do you see, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here for I heard them say, Let's, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. So Joseph, you know, at that point he could have given up and gone back and said, you know what, they're not there. Uh, I don't know where they are. But he didn't do that. He, he took to heart what his father asked him to do 
and he wanted to get the job done. So we see here sort of a mix of different character qualities. He was a faithful man, faithful worker. He was duty bound. Uh, he, he thought big, right? He had these big ideas. Uh, he was bold. He was not afraid. At the same time, he lacked humility. He had a certain arrogance and, and he wasn't good at dealing uh, with people. So, you know, his character and his abilities showed that he had some of the seeds of being a future leader, but he had these negative tendencies uh, that needed to be molded. And God did that molding through the circumstances that he went through from this time of around 17 to the age of, uh, you know, 30, uh, when he ended up becoming uh, the, the ruler of, or the second line, second in uh, rank in, in the land of Egypt. Um, but it's very interesting that as you look at this, you see that the way the brothers uh, looked at Joseph, the way his father looked at him, you know, the brothers only saw the negative side of Joseph. You know, they did not see uh, that, that here was a young man who had certain qualities, who had certain positives about him. Uh, and I, but I think that his father, Jacob, that, that sort of, that, that subtle little line that says that, uh, you know, his father kept the matter in mind. I think jo, uh, Jacob had some sense that there was something going on here that, that God had a plan in the life of this son. Uh, and that's what it means, you know, it's implied there when he says he kept this in his mind. He heard all of his dreams and he, and he knew he scolded him for it, for the way that he was talking about it. But he kept it in his mind. And the lesson that, that I sort of drew from, from this is, is, first of all, you know, how we deal with each other, right? Uh, so we are part of a family. We are, uh, you know, we have people that come from all kinds of backgrounds, people with different personalities, and, you know, we're not, uh, you know, as complicated as it is within your own family. You can imagine what it's like when it's the family of God, and you have so many people around you, and you're dealing with people, you're going to have people that irritate you, you're going to have people of different uh, habits and different proclivities, um, you know, uh, you know, do we deal with each other in love, okay, or in a manner to show ourselves up as Joseph, Joseph did not deal in love, you know, he, he got a dream, he, he knew there was something to it and he wanted to let everybody know, right, he, wa he wasn't very humble, um, he was very arrogant, uh, and when we look at our fellow believers, you know, what do we see? Do we only see, and then on the other hand, his brothers, the way they responded to him is, is it grew into hatred, right? But they didn't want to talk to him. And we see that, that when they see him coming, if you go down in, uh, in uh, chapter 37, you know, they see uh, coming and, they, and, then, and then they, what did they do? When they saw him afar off, even verse 18 of chapter 37, before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dream. So, so they had built up this hatred towards him. You know, uh, you know, we need to keep in mind that God specializes in taking you know, people with their strengths, with their weaknesses and molding them into you know, into, uh, you know, what, uh, what he wants to achieve, right? And that's what God was starting to do here in the life of Joseph, was that, you know, if Joseph didn't have some of those characters, the boldness that he had and the, the ability to think big, you know, he did not, you know, when he got this dream, um, you know, he was a big thinker. In today's, uh, in today's uh, parlance, he would be something like an entrepreneur, you know. I don't know if you've 
if you've uh, worked with entrepreneurs, maybe some of you have, they're, they're very different. I'm not one of them. Okay? They, they, they always think big. You know, they're not... Um, uh, you know, they're not limited by challenges, you know. So here he gets his dream and, you know, and it's like his father and his mother and his brothers and sisters, everybody bowing to you. It seems like, you know, an employment. I mean, he was uh, the 11th of 12 sons. You know, what is the odds of that ever happening? It seems like an impossible thing. But, but Joseph was a big thinker, you know, and it's because he was a big thinker that later on in Egypt, he was able to come up with a big plan essentially to save, uh, you know, so many, uh, um, you know, millions of people from, from famine. Right, so he had these qualities, and we need to keep in mind that God, uh, you know, what God, the way He works is He takes us with our good qualities, with our strengths, you know, and our weaknesses, and He wants to mold us through our circumstances. And and when we see each other, you know, how important it is that we need to find those qualities, and we need to become the tools in the hands of God to to build each other up, right? To work on those things that are that need working to help build up the the, the talents and the uh, the abilities that that people have that are a strength I, I can remember you know I've been here 10 years now and over the years you know I've had many conversations with uh, with some of you in this room and and very often those conversations were not very positive and it's that somebody coming and saying you know I don't appreciate this particular brother or I don't appreciate the way he preaches or I don't get anything out of him uh, and others coming and talking about how this brother does it this way and that way and and uh, and and it's um, it was really illuminating to me to hear uh, how fellow brothers in Christ can have such negative views of each other right but but over the years it's it's been very gratifying on the positive side to see how both of these groups of people you know the ones that were speaking against each other have developed and grown and all of them had their own you know, character, good characteristics, bad characteristics, and but they've all grown and developed and come to love each other, and because of that, the church has been blessed. So we shouldn't give up on people because you know they've got certain negative characters. Because you know God is still working on every one of them. That is what God wants to do: is when we come into His kingdom, when we become His children, you know, He wants to work on us and make us, mold us into the character that He wants. So that's the first episode. Uh, the, uh, in, in Joseph's life. We'll move on very quickly to the second one and that is when Joseph is a slave okay, and uh, he's prospering as a slave in Egypt. So Joseph has been taken to Egypt so we come to uh, chapter 39 and, uh, and he becomes a slave uh, and he goes into captivity, right? So Joseph has been taken, verse 13, chapter 39 verse 1 had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and, the mas- and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made, him, made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his uh, house and all that he did that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So you know sometimes life seems cruel and unfair to us right uh, and perhaps Joseph could have looked at it this way because you know uh, you know he, he, was, he was taken into captivity he was taken by these Ishmaelite traders and sold to this man 
Potiphar, who we are told is the um, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian. So he was a high official in the um, in the hierarchy of uh, of the Egyptian government. He was a captain of the guard, and I guess it was common then to have these slaves who would do all the work uh, in the house. Uh, and so Joseph was put into captivity. Uh, but God allowed Joseph to go through this experience. Why? To mold his character, as I was just saying, uh, and deal with the flaws in his character, to build some humility, to remove the arrogance, to draw him closer to God, uh, and then finally, of course, to fulfill God's master plan to preserve Israel through the famine by making a way for them to get to Egypt. And we see here that God prospers Joseph. So although he's a slave, uh, you know, he becomes Potiphar's um, you know, main guy, or I guess you can call it chief of staff. You know, eventually he's running all of uh, his household, all of his affairs. Uh, and it says here that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and therefore he was a successful man. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So not only was Joseph blessed, but the entire household of Potiphar, the, the, the business affairs of Potiphar, were blessed for Joseph's sake. So not only did he do well for himself, but his master's household did well because of him. And then this is repeated again later on. I won't go there uh, when Joseph is put into prison uh, because of what happened with Potiphar's wife, which we'll look at in a minute here. You know, he's put into prison. Uh, and again there, you know, uh, he is made the chief, the, the, the chief person who's running the prison, the keeper of the prison, gives him charge over all the other prisoners. And a lot of good things happen there in that prison because of, of Joseph. So what are some things that we can draw from this episode of Joseph's life? First of all, when we are going through life, you know, we have no knowledge of how our actions and circumstances fit into God's master plan. We need to believe and trust in his sovereignty at all times. You know, God was sovereignly working. And this is where, you know, here you have Joseph making decisions, Joseph's brothers making decisions that were just completely evil. You have Joseph being put as a slave. You have Joseph being falsely accused. And all of these things that, if you look at them in isolation, they are all very negative things. They're evil things. They're, they're unfair things. They're things that if, as we are going through them, we're like, oh, what, what do I have to do? You know, I'm pleasing God. I'm doing all this work. And then I end up in jail again. Uh, you know, it's not fair. Life is not fair. But through this all, you know, we can see that somehow it's all somehow linked to God's master plan, right? God is using the free decisions of men to still accomplish. And that's the mystery and the majesty, uh, I would say, of the, the, the sovereignty of God and his plan. And I was talking to a couple of brothers recently. There was one brother who came to me and he said, and he was telling me how uh, he messed up his life. You know, he said, you know, I, I messed up my life by going and doing this thing and, and it became a disaster. But then, um, you know, he said, but then, you know, because of that, uh, and he didn't mean that messing up his life was the right thing to do. But he said, you know, through that, God brought me to all of you and, and you are loving me beyond anything I've ever experienced and, and helping me out to get my life straight and come back to the Lord. You know, that's a way to, when we are going through circumstances, see that, you know what, God can take even those difficult circumstances, even our mistakes, mistakes that others make, things that are unfair, and turn them around to mold us and bring us closer to him. And that's what was happening here uh, in the life of Joseph. You know, Joseph was a slave. He could have been bitter, and he could have done the bare minimum, 
and worked with a grudging heart. He could have just done what slaves in those days would probably have done is, is just do the bare minimum, not put much heart into it. But you can see the impact that he had here because he worked as unto the Lord. Right? He worked as unto the Lord as we see in Ephesians 6, 5 and 8, 5 to 8. I'm not going to go there. But we see here that his success came. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And the presence of the Lord in his life and the resultant success was evident to Potiphar. Potiphar himself saw uh, the, not just the outcome, but Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, if you go to verse, verse 2, it says the Lord was with Joseph and, and this man Potiphar, he saw that. And as Joseph excelled in what, was, what he was given to do, he was given more and more responsibilities and more accountability. And uh, Joseph's superiors could place their complete trust in him. They knew that if they, Potiphar knew that whatever he gave this, this young man, you know, uh, he must have been some, you know, I don't know, 20, 22 years old by then, you know, whatever he gave him, you know, he knew that he would get done and he would get done well. Um, and the Lord, it said, he blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. God blessed the enterprise because uh, Joseph was faithful to God. So, you know, working as unto the Lord blesses our own establishment, you know, where, where we are. It brings blessing to our employer. You know, we believers, the example that I picked out of this from Joseph is, is what a wonderful example for you young people who are out in the workplace. You know, in this workplace, especially in this, uh, you know, in the environment we are in, you know, it, it's always, it's about me, right? It's about me, it's about my, my promotions, my salary, my compensation, my promotions, my, you know, whatever, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what we see here from Joseph is that, you know, he left all of that to the Lord. He just worked as unto the Lord. He just did the work to the best of his ability. And as he did that work well, God blessed him. You know, he worked with the right attitude, with the right commitment, with the uh, producing work of high quality. And, and then God blessed him and God also blessed the home uh, or, or that establishment where he, is a, he was a part of. So we as believers, we need to stand out in the workplace by our commitment, our attitude, our hard work, the quality of the work we do. And then God's blessing will be on us and on our employer as well. You know, how do we function? How do you function? You know, if you are in the workplace, you know, what is it that, what impact are you having? Are you a blessing to your team or to your company or, or to your group or, or whatever your, your, your role is there? You know, when we look at Joseph, we find that, you know, if you trust the sovereignty of God, if you trust that God is sovereign, you will accept the circumstances that you are in, right? Otherwise, what's the point of sovereignty? If you, you know, if you're anxious for anything, the word of God says, be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing. To be anxious is a sin. Um, you know, if we believe that the circumstances we are going through are all under the control of the Lord and somehow unknown to us, somehow in some mysterious way, it's all linked to his master plan that he is accomplishing for us, for his church, you know, then we'll be far more accepting, right? We will be far more focused on doing the right thing and let the Lord bring about the results. So that's what we see from this episode. Let's move on to the next one. I'm running short of time here. Uh, but the next episode is uh, in uh, chapter 39, verse 7 onwards, where Joseph faces and stands up to temptation. So you all know the story. It's probably one of the most famous stories in the, in the Bible where Joseph is seduced by the wife of Potiphar. And it says he was handsome in form and appearance and came to pass, verse 7, that is after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, 
lie with me. Okay, so it's very clear what's going on here. Uh, but let's look at how Joseph responds to his temptation. I want all of you young people to please pay attention here. Okay, um, young people and everybody, but especially the young people. So what is what do we see here in verse eight? It says he refused. Okay, and he said to his master's wife, he refused. So what we see here in Joseph's response is that Joseph was firm and consistent in his refusal to do what Potiphar's wife wanted. He drew a line there. Okay, he was very firm. He was very consistent. And it says that, uh, uh, verse 10, so, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. So she was pestering. Joseph had no choice. Okay, he couldn't leave the place because he was a slave. That was his job. That was, the, you know, he had no choice to do that. Slaves couldn't just run away from there. Right? But day after day, it says, she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her. Verse 10. He did not heed her. He was firm and consistent. Secondly, we see in verse 8 and 9 that he had a clear understanding of what was right and wrong and why. So look at verse 8. He says, look, my master does not know what is with me uh, in the house and he has committed to uh, all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Joseph had the right motivation for why he was resisting this temptation. Right? His motivation was to, to avoid giving into the temptation was that it was a betrayal uh, of the trust that his master had placed upon him and that it was a sin against God. He knew very clearly that it was a sin against God. And then thirdly, he understood the gravity of the situation. You see how he terms it. He says, how can I do this great wickedness? This great wickedness. He didn't, he didn't play around with it. He didn't try to rationalize it away. He didn't try to compromise. But he termed it what it was. It was a great wickedness what this woman was asking Joseph to do. You know, when we diminish the gravity of our sinful actions and we try to rationalize them, then we are at a greater risk uh, of falling prey to them. And then we see, fourthly, that Joseph set boundaries. You know, it says he did not heed her, verse 10, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Okay, he did not heed her. He was not he did not listen to what she wanted to do and he was not, he even tried to avoid being in the vicinity. He did his best to avoid putting himself in a position that could lead to sin. He understood the dangers and he, and he acted to minimize it. So what, when he saw that he was in a compromising situation, then later on we find that he fled the place, right? He left his robe there and he ran out of there. Uh, you know, it had gone too far uh, when she grabbed him and, and tried to seduce him. So what are some lessons that we can learn from this. First of all, how seriously do we take sin? You know, many of you, sometimes you have, you know, you think that certain things are okay. You know, maybe it's drinking, maybe it's smoking, you know, maybe it's sex, whatever it is. You know, one thing leading to another. What are the boundaries that we are placing for ourselves? Are we trying to live by, the, by rules or are we trying to go to the edge of the rules? You know, very often, uh, sometimes you talk to young people and they say, the image they have of Christianity is, is that it's a bunch of rules. You know, if you think that, that Christianity is rules, then that means you are not going in the right direction. Okay, it's not about rules, right? It's not about rules. It's about transformation. Transformation of the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <clears throat> you know, when you think that your faith is a bunch of rules, that means your mind has not been transformed. 
you know, your mind is still thinking like the flesh. And the flesh thinks, these are all the things that I should be doing, that I want to be doing. And therefore, if somebody says I can't do it, then it's because it's a set of rules. Okay, now if my mind is transformed, and I'm trying to please God, right, and I'm trying to do things that, uh, that, that you know, as it says in Philippians 4, things that are virtuous and noble and of good report, you know, then my mind gets transformed, I don't even have an interest in these things, and then it doesn't matter if somebody says, don't do it or do, you know, this is okay, that's not okay, I'm not living by those rules. You know, I'm living, I'm being controlled by a mind that has been transformed by the word of God, right? And so, if, if you are living rules-based Christianity, that's a sign that you have not achieved maturity, that you're not growing as a believer in Christ, that you are still a, a babe in Christ who needs to get the milk of the word of God. You know, do we understand what is sinful? Do you understand what is sinful and why, uh, why it is sinful? When it comes to various behaviors and activities, you know, do you understand why, uh, you know, engaging in things like smoking and drinking and drugs and all these things are not appropriate for a Christian, the dangers that it can lead to? I don't have time to get into those details, although I would have liked to, maybe I'll do it another time. Uh, but go back to Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are virtuous, whatsoever things are of good report, you know, dwell on these things, meditate on these things, set a higher standard for yourself. You know, this is how we are to stand out in the world, not by just giving in, not, you know, when you start asking the question, is this right or is this wrong? You know, you're already on the wrong track. Okay? Our life shouldn't be about just you know, doing something because it's right or avoiding something because it's wrong. It should be much higher. Our standard should be much higher. We should be pursuing what is virtuous, what is pleasing to God, what is glorifying to God. And that is what we learn from Joseph. He set these standards, you know, for himself. He, he avoided these things. These are temptations that, you know, when we, we, we tend to not draw those boundaries, right? We tend to walk into those temptations. We allow things to progress either because we are trying to be nice or whatever, not seeing the danger that's lurking, not understanding how much God hates certain sins. How can I do this wickedness against God, right? As a believer, we need to be motivated by uh, a desire to please God, you know, and ask ourselves, how can I participate in this wickedness, whether it's pornography or whatever it is, you know, how can I be a part of this wickedness against God? It is wickedness for a holy God to even behold that. And we need to learn from Joseph how we can take these things seriously, how we can set boundaries, how we can, um, you know, make sure that, uh, that we are firm and consistent in the way we approach them, uh, how, uh, how we have the right motivation to avoid doing these things, uh, and how we understand the gravity of sin and are uh, making sure that we don't fall prey to it. So God in his sovereignty used even this difficult situation. You know, Joseph... Uh, in that situation, he gets thrown into prison. Um, you know, and sometimes when we do what is right, you know, we get disowned by people. We get criticized. You know, we get shunned. I know I've talked to many people who say, well, why do you want to go and do those things? Well, it's because that's the only way I'll get friends. Right? Yes, you might have to give up your friends. That's what happened to Joseph. He ends up getting thrown in prison for doing all the right things, for trying to honor God. Sometimes trying to honor God doesn't mean that everything is going to be you know, easy for you, right? You might end up uh, getting persecuted. You might uh, end up having to go through mental anguish. Um, and, uh, but even then, let's go back to the first point I made. This going to prison was a necessity. God used even that 
to you know get him in touch with these butler and the baker and eventually that's what facilitated his um, you know transfer to uh, to to pharaoh's palace uh, so god is able to use even these difficult circumstances in our life to mysteriously marvelously achieve his purpose in life and then um, you know the final episode is just uh, you know joseph goes to prison i don't have time i'm already out of time i'll finish in a couple of minutes here in uh, chapter 40 you can read that there he faced his imprisonment with fortitude right even when he when he's there you know he could have been the most broken the most upset person you know his brothers had disowned him they had sold him he had become a slave he had done all this good stuff in potiphar's house he got falsely accused he got thrown in jail and he's languishing there but even here he doesn't let those circumstances bring him down you know and i don't know what you're going through today in your life maybe it's your job maybe it's your health maybe it's your family maybe it's your marriage um whatever it is that you're going through you know look look at this example that joseph said where he's thrown into jail and even there he steps up and he becomes a leader and he becomes a blessing um and then it doesn't get any better he 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 uh, he gives joy to this uh to this uh, butler and tells him he's going to get released because he interprets his dream for him and he says remember me when you go right when you get over there to pharaoh when pharaoh restores you remember me that i'm here do something good for me and the guy goes off he's happy and he forgets about joseph right and it's 2 years after that uh when pharaoh has a dream and then the guy remembers joseph right so for 2 years joseph you know he would have been so uh despondent by that point you know i if if he was a uh, you know if he was like many of us uh, but he was faithful and diligent you know he got the short end of the stick but he had to and he had to wait for another 2 years till the deliverance of god came you know god's plans don't often fit our timetable you know waiting on the lord without growing weary is a very difficult thing to do you know we we want to wait you know we want uh, a certain maybe maybe uh, your uh, challenge that you're going through right now is that is that you um, uh, you know you you want to get married and you can't find the right person or you found the right person and your parents don't agree or or whatever the situation might be okay uh, but you know what joseph had to wait you know from the age of 17 to the age of 30 you know for 13 long years he had to go through all these circumstances and and meanwhile god was molding him god was teaching him you know if he hadn't gone through all those he wouldn't have been able to be successful as the prime minister of egypt you know putting together that big program to save millions of people from famine so whatever your situation is that you're going through remember that god is sovereign and he's working on you he has a reason and his timing is always the best timing you know we get bound up by by human thinking by fleshly thinking you know you have to get married by a certain age and you know or this 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 all these things are bad things are going to happen and these are all human thinking and it's it's it amazes me how so many christians get caught up all of us you know our parents we get caught up and if you're a parent here i see many guests here you know it is absolutely the wrong thing for you to pressure your children to get married by a certain age okay uh, that just leads to all kinds of problems um you know and and it's it's very unbiblical all right these are societal pressures that we start thinking like the rest of society it shows that we really when it comes down to it we don't believe in the sovereignty of god and i tell this to people openly when they when they question me about certain things you know it shows that you don't believe in the sovereignty of god or it's not a reality you just talk about it okay it's not good enough to talk sovereignty of god needs to drive the way we think the way we act the way we make decisions 
the way we trust in God for everything. You know, waiting on the Lord without growing weary is not easy to do. Joseph had to wait 13 long years before God brought him to that place uh, of, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, of authority there and he could save his people. So what can we learn from Joseph's life? God is sovereign over all circumstances, no matter what we're going through. And no matter circumstances, we shouldn't yield to temptation. We shouldn't yield to sin. And we should set boundaries. We should understand the gravity of the sin uh, the, that, that we are faced with and not yield to them. And then we need to understand that God is molding us through circumstances to realize who He is and be completely dependent on Him. You see, the reason I believe that God uh, put that two-year gap is because Joseph could have thought that, you know what, it's my ability to tell dreams that got me out of here. Okay? It wasn't. You know, it was that, you know, the guy forgot immediately. He forgot all about Joseph, right? But then God gave Pharaoh the dream two years later when Joseph had perhaps lost all hope. He said, okay, that guy is never going to remember me now, right? He's long forgotten all about me. And so Joseph had to see that it was God and God alone who was going to lift him up when the time was right. So let's have that trust in God as we look at Joseph's life. There's many other things we could get into, but we're out of time. Uh, you know, and I really encourage you to examine your own attitude towards your circumstances, examine your own attitude towards the sovereignty of God and, and how it really drives or doesn't drive your day-to-day decisions. And then thirdly, especially for the young people, how you deal with temptation and, and situations that you're placed in, uh, especially as you are in college and you know we know how bad those environments are. You know, I encourage you to go back and set a higher standard for yourself. You know, set that standard of purity, a standard of what is noble and virtuous and of good report uh, and hold yourself to a higher standard, not bring yourself down to the fleshly standards of the world. And I trust that the Lord will enable you to do that. Let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for these wonderful examples that we have in the word of God. We want to thank you for the example of Joseph and the way that he trusted in you, the way that he was a... Uh, a good worker there, Lord, even even as a slave, Father. And we pray for all of us here, who many in professionals in the workplace, Father, that we would we would be the best workers there, Lord. That we would work as unto the Lord and not as men pleasers, as Ephesians six tells us, Father. And we pray that that in so doing, that we would not just be blessed ourselves, but our establishments would be blessed by them, Lord. And we pray that we may we may, Lord, accept that you are sovereign and that acceptance and trust, Lord, in your sovereignty and your control of all circumstances in a, in, in a mystery that we can't even understand, that we can't even see, uh, Lord, the entire picture, that we would just fully trust in that when it comes to circumstances in our own life, when it comes to our attitude towards suffering and discomfort and disappointments that we might be going through in our lives, Lord. And I want to pray for each and every person, whatever challenge they are facing, Lord, whether it's temptation, whether it's habits that are not honoring to you, whether it's um, um, uh, difficult decisions, uh, whether it's persecution, whatever it might be, Lord, uh, that you would help them to, to look at your word, to look to you, Lord, and learn some of these lessons from the life of Joseph. We just give you all glory and praise and thank you again for this time. Asking these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, before we move on, we have a...